0: To the MTB Tribe Podcast, your trail map for the world of mountain biking, and now I'll introducing your host Gareth Beckett.
1: Howdy, mountain bikers, and welcome to episode number seventy-one of the MTB Tribe Podcast. I do appreciate you being here, and I do appreciate you letting me be in your earballs. I am here as always to help you find out more about mountain biking, how to get out in the trails, keep you stoked. And hopefully learn a little more about mountain biking and the people involved. Effectively getting you off the sofa and on to the saddle. That is the whole aim of this podcast and I hope it is working out. This episode is brought to you by the Strength Factory. And I want you to know about their awesome new strength and training program. Specifically designed for you, the mountain biker. So first of all, let me ask you a few questions. When you go to the gym, are you unsure of what exercises and what sort of training you should do? Because I know I was when I wanted to get more Pacific in the mountain bike training side of things. Do you want to make the most out of your valuable training time? And do you want to ride faster and with more confidence from the first run to the last? Well, if so, the MTB Strength and Conditioning program is for you. Each month you will get an MTB Pacific Training plan direct to your inbox, complete with strength programs, warm-ups, mobility, conditioning, all linked to video tutorials for all exercises and options to scale for different abilities and levels of experience. So you get everything you need to make safe, consistent and long-term goals. Now here's the really exciting part about this programme and this is what I love about this programme. It is based around an annual UK training plan. So it builds a foundation of movement and strength in the winter before incorporating more power and conditioning in the spring. The summer is about staying fit, getting out on the bike, strong and powerful without tiring you out too much so you can ride more, enjoy your trails, get out with friends, all that awesome stuff. Now, Ben has been on the podcast before and um, he's worked with hundreds of everyday riders like you and me who simply just want to go and have more fun riding our bikes, you know. So he knows with tons of experience what kind of workouts we should be doing to help us on those tough weekend climbs or to help us just enjoy our rides more. So with that in mind, Ben has designed this program to be like a long-term education on safe, progressive training. Now, you will need access to a gym for this program with a barbell, some dumbbells and some space for body weight training, that kind of thing. Extra kit like a rowing machine, boxes, bands, pull-up bar, etc. are helpful, but not essential. Now, for the program, it all costs just £32 per month. And is covered by Ben's Money Back Guarantee. So if you're not totally satisfied with the program, you can get your money back. It's simple and risk-free. No issues. Now, Ben has very kindly offered MTB Try Podcast listeners 50% off January subscriptions. Yes, that's 50% off. So it is £16 instead of 32 for your January subscription. So to get that, simply enter the promo code... Tribe Strong at checkout. So that's Tribe Strong, T R I B E S T R O N G, all lowercase enter that at checkout and the offer expires on the 31st of january 2019 so that's 50 percent of your january subscription so that's just a nice little welcome package there from ben so thanks very much and that's for you guys the mtb tribe podcast listeners so when you subscribe you will be sent your program direct to your inbox With a free copy also of the MTB Mobility Program within 24 hours of registering. And again, it lasts all year, 3 you 12 months. So all you have to do to get the program is go to thestrengthfactory.uk, click on Programs, click on MTB Gym Programs program uh, and you will be taken through to the page with more explanations and more descriptions and everything like that to get you started you can also go to the mtb tribe show notes and find a quick link there or visit the mtb tribe resources page where you will also find a quick link to the strength Fighter's new and exciting program including a short introduction video to the program there as well it is that easy folks so head on over check it out the program works all year so you can jump in at any time and um, it really does look good. I've done Ben's stuff previously so um, I know it is really, really good and you should definitely check it out if you want to become that little bit fitter and faster on the trails. So on to today's show and on episode 71 we are chatting with Tom Shopland and Hugo Van Dorsen, founders, owners and guides of their very exciting company called trail unknown now tom and hugo are super cool guys who are following their passions and doing something they enjoy getting people on bikes experiencing great scenery and having a great time while doing it trail unknown has been running now for just over a year but the guys know what they're doing have already built up a strong customer base have returning clients ...and have a number of things planned for the future growth of their business. I reached out to Tom and Hugo after having Jacob Martin, the owner of Mid Nowhere Productions... ...on episode 68 of the podcast. You may remember a couple of episodes back. The guys had worked together on an Aussie Grit apparel photo shoot... ...and after chatting to Jacob, I thought the guys would make a great episode. Their guiding business sounds great... And their packages look awesome. What I really like about their business is that it sits all levels of rider. You know, Tom and Hugo often have three guides on each ride, so they can split the group into different levels and just make sure that you're safe and you're enjoying your experience to its fullest. So we chat to Tom and Hugo about how their guided rides work, whereabouts they're based what you need to bring as a rider, different packages available for your skills and for different scenery, etc. Whatever you really want to experience, which are a wee bit about pricing and what you can expect to experience on one of their rides, plus much, much more. It is really, really cool. And also, the guys have been very kind and offered you guys, the MTB Tribe listeners, 10% off on your first ride with Trail Unknown. So simply... Listen to the rest of the podcast or you can go and click on the show notes on the website and you will find out more information there. You can always just go to the resources page on the website also and you will find out more info regarding how to claim your 10% off. It's super, super easy. The guys are very hands-on and no doubt you'll be chatting to them in person. So thanks so much, folks, for being here. I hope you enjoy the episode. It's a real fun one. So have a listen, put your feet up take it easy, and maybe plan your next trip. So let's welcome Tom and Hugo to the MTB Tribe Podcast. Guys, welcome to the MTB Tribe Podcast. It's awesome to have you on. How are you doing this morning?
0: Yeah, very well. Thank you very much. Yeah, good. Good to be on here. Uh,
1: No problem. And you've just been out for a trail run. Tell us a wee bit about it. That's a good start of the morning.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, we're about to put on a trail running yoga event um in two weeks time which we've got sort of 20 people signed on for so we are just making sure that the route is is sweet and then um, yeah it was a beautiful morning
1: yeah cool so yeah and i want to talk to you about your your yoga retreat as well um a wee bit later because um, that's pretty cool it's getting i know in the surf industry and stuff the whole yoga retreat thing's very popular
0: yeah i mean we've, we've kind of seen that um there's a big market in yoga and we're trying to get people more into mountain biking so we've kind of just kind of paired the two together and uh it seems to be working pretty well both kind of sports uh, cater to each other so it's been a lot of fun yeah. yeah it's nice to kind of get the physical side of things uh, when we do these retreats we do like a half day of the physical mountain biking and then a half day of the yoga stuff which is which is almost like an exercise of the mind
1: mm-hmm.
0: so it's it's nice to get both a- both aspects uh, massaged
1: yeah certainly and do you guys have to practice yoga then yourselves
0: Oh, rigorously. Yeah. <laughs> uh, luckily for our customers, we don't need the yoga, but yeah, we're normally there. Uh,
1: <laughs> putting yourself <laughs> through the paces, anyway. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Um, my, um, my girlfriend's a yoga instructor, so I do get the benefit of um, dropping in a few classes here and there.
1: Yeah, oh, that helps definitely. So, I take it she's is she taking the classes then?
0: She will be taking the class that we're doing in two weeks' time, but for the. Um, for the yoga retreats, we've been working with this lovely lady called Kylie, um, and she is kind of a full-time yoga instructor and doing all these mindfulness retreats. So we've kind of teamed up with her um, and her retreats to kind of put on the mountain bike side of things as well.
1: Yeah, cool, man. Cool. That's cool. Right, well, before we get into your trail unknown um, business and stuff like that, let's chat a wee bit about your background because you have both quite interesting backgrounds. Um and stuck <laughs> Tom, you've done a lot of travelling to Australia, New Zealand, South Pacific Islands, all that kind of stuff. Can you tell us a wee bit about that?
0: Yeah, it was a it was a blast. Um, I'd recommend it to anyone. I spent um, after I finished my degree at, um, at Exeter down in Devon. Um, I kind of started started working for a couple of months um, in Guildford in Surrey, um, and then I kind of just thought oh, this isn't really for me. Um, so just yeah, disappeared off for a couple of years of travelling as a sort of Um, Picking up jobs here and there, but as a pure pursuit of pleasure really Mm -hmm. just what things I've always wanted to do and uh, you know climb mountains and surf and all that kind of stuff just did it all really and kind of gave me some time to think and Spend time hanging out with Hugo because Hugo was living in New Zealand at that and We kind of came up with this idea
1: Yeah, it sounds amazing and you were in the Himalayas. Were, Were you mountain biking there? What were you doing there?
0: Yeah, so after about sort of two years away from the UK, it kind of just built up from talking to other people that the Himalayas was going to really be like the, the pinnacle, uh, the finishing of this trip before I came back to the UK. I had to go and see the biggest mountains in the world. And um, yeah, I tied that in with a mountain bike trip. So I spent sort of two, three weeks cycling around. Um, I got in contact with, um, how was it called? you know, Where the Trail Ends, the, there was a mountain biking film. Yeah, I yeah. got in touch with the guide who guided them in the pool. Wow. Just said, I want I want what they got. Um so he we just went and went and rode those places and it kind of opened my eyes to the world of mountain bike guiding, really. Mm-hmm. And how much having a local can really just totally change your experience.
1: Yeah, and that's an awesome movie.
0: Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't <laughs> say my riding was quite the same as theirs, but you know, felt like it in my head.
1: Yeah, and was there was there many guys, did you run into many mountain bikers out there? What was the scene like?
0: Uh no, I didn't actually. Um I mean we weren't pretty we went pretty sort of into the wilderness I suppose and it was just me and the guide and we didn't come across any other mountain bikers. It's quite popular for hiking in Nepal. So quite we kinda of came across a few walkers and they just thought we were mad. <laughs> but the um the scene for mountain biking is starting to grow I think in Nepal. There's starting to be more sort of um international trips coming from like australia new zealand and people are starting to sort of engage with the mountain bike scene there because it's just next level
1: yeah and what's the trails like there
0: mind blowing i mean they're not really like developed they're not built for mountain biking they are like old goat tracks and paths connecting mountain villages and stuff but yeah you i mean you can just ride for days kind of thing we we rode up to about 5,000 meters and then we spent the next sort of three, four days just descending. Wow. Yeah, so it was just a slightly different world to, um, you know, mountain biking in Surrey kind of thing.
1: Yeah. So I think you, <laughs> you, you had to take all your gear up the mountain with you. You just were camping out and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Um,
0: well, yeah. Well, I just had like one little light bag kind of thing. But they do it. They offer like a porter service. It's pretty. It's pretty common out there. So for most, which I wasn't expecting, but um, for most sort of long distance trips out there, you always have like a porter who would carry your bag from village to village. And these guys are rapid. It was crazy. They're like, you know, like the kind of Sherpa style people.
1: Mm.
0: Like we were cycling from village to village, and and this guy was like walking. Ended up just taking my little bag, which I would have been more than happy to to ride with it. I think you know he he insisted and gave him a little tip for that. It's like it's like a, like an honor for them to uh, like take the bag I think. Kind of thing. But yeah, so there's there's there is the full support there for you to go and do multi-day trips out there.
1: Wow, That sounds it sounds like an adventure more than a mountain bike ride, really.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, well, it's both together, and um, the dream really is we'll go out and put we'll definitely be putting on the trail unknown Nepal trip in the future.
1: Wow, that's pretty cool. Uh, something different, for sure.
0: Yeah. Well, you'd be more than welcome, Josh.
1: Yeah, well, yeah. I have to get my fitness up a bit before I do something like that, <laughs> I think. Um, sounds amazing. Um, so, Hugo, you, um, you've you got a degree in from Exeter University in physical geography. What is that?
0: <laughs> I'm glad you asked that, because I have no idea either. Uh, a lot of it was just kind of looking at uh, the kind of physical environment and looking at glaciers and I, I pretty much spent the majority of the time in the forest up in Exeter mountain biking rather than actually doing my degree but yeah, <laughs> it, was, uh, it was a good good place to stay and there's a lot of other stuff to do like surfing and mountain biking and just being outside down Exeter so it was, it was good fun
1: Yeah, it's cool because you worked on trail projects with the local forestry commission and stuff like that, didn't you?
0: Yeah, they, they were really good about it actually, we um, we hooked up the um, forestry commission and they gave us a big pot of land to kind of build our own trails and um, there's a couple of tracks actually stood up there that um, we we made and developed. Um, I don't want to take it like a lot of the locals there that build the stuff. They build some, some build some great stuff up, up at Holden, Holden Forest Cafe side. Um, but kind of put in a couple more over there and yeah, it was, it was um, it's a good place to go ride and just spend the afternoon kind of sessioning some some jumps and tracks.
1: Mm-hmm. And did your did, did the physical geography help you in that kind of thing? I'm just trying to figure out if that helped you you know work with the forestry commission and, and stuff like that?
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, I think it probably helped more when I went over to New Zealand and worked, so I worked in kind of forestry over there. Um, Mm -hmm. and just kind of seeing the relationship between the mountain bikers and, um, kind of actually a commercial forest. Um, and like kind of helping with maintaining that relationship. That was really interesting. And I think skills in kind of geography and and managing relationships and, um, Mm -hmm. seeing the land probably helped there as well.
1: Yeah, it's super interesting because you know in Ireland here we have that relationship as well that our trail centers are within working forests if you like. So you know I went up to my local trail dava one day and it looked like it had been hit by a nuclear bomb. They had just <laughs> cleared so many trees and it's interesting the relationship because then a good part of the trails were closed down because of that. Um so do you find that and do you find that your degree actually helped kind of with things like that and, and, and with that whole kind of communication?
0: Yeah, I think um, in New Zealand, they've got the space to do it. So in New Zealand, what they do is they rotate the forest like like a circle, basically. And they have chunks of land that they'll allocate to mountain biking. Um, and they'll let all the track builders know that basically in a year's time, all these trees are going to go. So you need to kind of spend your time developing trails elsewhere. Um and that works so well because they, it means it keeps the mountain bikers out of the ways of all the trucks and all the kind of, um, guys cutting down the trees. Um, and then it maintains that mountain bike scene because you kind of shift through the forest slowly. Um, and it means as well that like the whole forest is just developing so many trails and there's so much, so much variety going on. So locals don't get too bored. Um, mm. whereas like in Ireland, yeah, I spent a bit of time in Ireland as well. And it's yeah. just, there's, I don't know, some of the space isn't there. Um, And it's the same with the UK and a lot of the Forestry Commission will just carelessly just basically cut down stuff um, and and not really think too much about the local mountain bike community, um, Mm -hmm. which is actually probably bringing a lot of money into the local area as well.
1: Yeah, and do do you feel that having that knowledge is helping with your local trails there where you're you're based?
0: Yeah, definitely. I think, yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. uh, Yeah, I mean, last so there's, there's two examples of that one <clears throat> one is that we're spending a lot of time in the surrey hills at the moment and um, it's quite a small area and there's a huge population around the surrey hills to enjoy that space so there's a lot of conflict between walkers cyclists and um, horse riders in that area and so we've just begun working with the, um, the landowners which is a mix of like the national trust and um, private landowners and also um, the area of outstanding natural beauty so we're going to hopefully be working on that project to kind of formalize that area and kind of give everyone um, their own places and respect for one another. Uh, and then also last night here in Oxford, where we're located now, um, we went along to the Oxford cycling, uh, forum last night at the town hall, which is where anyone in Oxford who has like a stake in cycling is talking about how the city is uh, designed to encourage more cycling talking about like cycling festivals and all sorts of stuff. So, yeah, Hugo's been pretty instrumental in all that.
1: Mm. Yeah, and I suppose with the businesses you're running there with uh, guides and trail guides and stuff, it's very important that you keep on top of all that kind of thing and know what's happening. And
0: it's, it's also worth pointing out that Hugo has got a fantastic skill that he's learned from his geography degree, which is when we're doing these mountain bike tours, we call it Geography Live, <laughs> I think mean, I can see him he doesn't want to do it now but uh, he'll just when I point to him I'm like Hugo it's joke lifetime," and then he'll just like go into this David Attenborough style speech of the formation of the land kind of thing so uh, it'll be lovely to take you out and and you can experience it <laughs> experience Hugo's geography life one day
1: we could get that on camera eh? <laughs> <laughs> I'll
0: see what I can do I'll see if I can take a sneaky video of you sometime
1: yeah that's it that's it uh, cool so let's chat a wee bit about mountain biking just and you, and you guys so how did you just first get into mountain biking when did it become a part of your uh social calendar
0: yeah i mean for me um my neighbor had this old clapped out Halfords um bike that he he gave me and i remember just picking up a spade and digging this big old ramp in the middle of this green we lived in at, um, up in oxford and i just from there, just kicked off and just started building in the forest and just started getting out as much as I could on this clapped-out bike. And yeah, I think it must be about 11, 12 years old or something. Really wow. <laughs> cool. Uh, I think, sorry,
1: so, sorry. Did you come from like a BMX background, or what got you interested? Were you watching stuff on media, or
0: not at all? I actually didn't know it was a sport. So I used to just ride <laughs> my ride my I guess commuter bike around um, the kind of hills of Oxford when I was a kid. Um, and it was only until I kind of, um, went to school and kind of shifted into university that I started realizing that everyone else was doing it too. So it was more kind of from a cross country background and then started kind of shifting more into kind of racing and, um, kind of being involved in the whole scene when I was probably like 16, 17.
1: Mm-hmm. Very cool. Very cool. And so you raced then
0: as well? Uh, yeah, a little bit when I was kind of, um, between age, 18, 20. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah. Awesome. And how, how about you? How did you get into it there?
0: Um, it was uh, not a similar story, I suppose. I was, I was quite heavily into skateboarding and, and it was always um, how do you get to the skate park? And then um, and I tried all sorts of different modes of transport to get to the skate park and to friends' house and stuff. So I tried like, rollerblading 10 miles to my mate's house and scooter in and all sorts of stuff. and <laughs> Actually, I think bikes were developed for this purpose, so I gave that a go. Um, and then I actually really enjoyed the freedom of just being able to cycle and how much like, I mean, I'm only talking about being like 12 years old here, but it was the mm-hmm. first time I ever had the freedom to explore everywhere without my parents taking me there. And, um, yeah. And then, and then I realized that the skate parks in winter, you can't, you just kind of lose your sport over winter because they just get wet. So you can't really do that. And then I realized that cycling is something you can do through the winter and yeah, next thing I know, we're like jumping over bins. How many bins can you do? You know, kind of like log, <laughs> long jump style. Lay over six bins and see if you can build up a ramp out of bricks and wood and clear all the bins. Hot, hot style. Yeah. Hot,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> 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 and then um, and then I got into quite into dirt jumping actually BMX dirt jumping. Um, and then I ended up getting quite hurt doing that. I fractured my pelvis. Mm. I was about fifteen amongst other sort of like broken bones and realised actually dirt jumping is pretty dangerous. Mm. And then after that, it was it was mountain bikes from then onwards, from about 15, 16.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's crazy how guys get into it, isn't it? You know, it's just guys being guys really at the end of the day.
0: <laughs> I, think, I think one of the most important things is like your, your social group. Yeah. I think so. For me it was anyway. It was like always my, my group of friends, which was skateboarding and bikes... Now they're all on motorbikes and stuff, but just it was for me. It was the most important thing was who I was hanging around with at that time.
1: Yeah, definitely, um, because it means you just can go out in a social group and you just can have a bit of a laugh and it's a bit of fun, really.
0: Yeah, for sure. It's just we yeah. look at it just like playing, really. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. It's like I think we could all do it like society probably better to get people into the sport. Um we We're noticing. We we're actually discussing last night with the uh, Oxford Forum how much the decline there is in like kids pick up bikes and like they're really keen to do it and then suddenly like age 16 no one's interested to uh, cycle anymore yeah so I looked at as like not cool and stuff especially yeah. for the girls
1: yeah mm. and are you finding that around your area there is that the way the scene is at the minute
0: yeah yeah definitely um I, I, yeah I, I, so I have just started working at Oxford Books, um just for a day a week um at the university in like researching like um, cities which are friendly for cycling and walking, mm-hmm. and the kind of research that we're looking at shows that um, there's a good uptake of cycling as children, but then as you get to sit kind of the 14, 14 to thirty to forty kind of age, so between fourteen and forty, a lot of, most people who are into cycling as a kid will just drop it because it because of the pressures of not only it looking uncool, but just life changes kind of thing you go to work and stuff then people pick it up again when they get to retirement age people pick it up again Mm -hmm. yeah it's quite interesting seeing from research though, kind of like trends of cycling too
1: yeah that's interesting and i'm sure you know the the companies and stuff must do research into that so i suppose that's that's quite a scary thing for them guys
0: yeah, it is, but I suppose they can always think, oh, well, we're doing it right, and if we can keep encouraging more cycling from like, between 14 and 40, then we're selling more bikes.
1: Yeah, yeah, you know, it, it's funny because it seems to be getting, especially where I'm from in Northern Ireland, it definitely seems to be getting more popular. Oh, um, sure. yeah, you know, and the trail networks and all we have there are really good, like, we, you know, for the size of population we have it really really well um but yeah i'm not sure of the age dynamic kind of people getting involved but i'm sure it is slightly older um so what do you think that what do you think the industry needs to do then to to get younger people involved or, or get them staying on their bikes
0: i'd say there's a couple of things one is like the the trail network and making it like more friendly like at the moment i take So hill as an example some fantastic trails there it's like a great network but it's not really mapped out amazingly so some people like if you're starting out you're just going to be super scared going there so that's one thing they can probably do is kind of have a little bit of a better network of, of trails and stuff that's all like kind of family friendly and stuff as well um, I think the kind of the Forestry Commission and kind of UK government in general could probably profitise a lot more from that mm-hmm yeah, yeah. The, the infrastructure is probably one of the most important things really. is that like giving people a place which they feel safe to ride in. You've a pump track and you've got a pump track in, the garden, like, pump track in every kind of local neighbourhood and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's
1: quite interesting. And you think when you see in Northern Ireland, the trails are quite user-friendly for families as well. Um, and I think the trail networks need to look at that. They need to encourage young kids and beginners and they also need to develop the trails for people that are more serious does your trail networks have that kind of beginner green run type of layout or is it more for more advanced riders
0: well the the thing is we've been kind of like i suppose specializing our riding in areas which are not networked so you know the, the reason why people pay for us to guide them is because it's like a now we'd unlock a whole national park of riding, which is not like a formalized trail centre. So I suppose we've got a probably slightly slanted view of the places we ride. Mm-hmm. But um, what, sorry, what's the question again? I just just
1: said. Well, just really, if your networks are set up for beginners or younger people, you know, wanting to get into initially, or if it's if it's more advanced riders, really.
0: I think mean, there is some there is some really good stuff, um, like Horst and Dean. Um, like there is there are some amazing stuff, but I think in the south of the UK, there's not a huge amount of kind of beginner friendly um, kind of areas. I suppose um, there kind of there kind of is, but it's not really like marked because it's there's yeah. loads of bridleways. Like when we do a lot of our beginner stuff, we will basically just put bridleways together. Yeah. They, they often don't need to be on built single track. Like almost being on skinny stuff is scary to a new yeah. mountain biker. So I, I I think there could be more kind of like using the skills that we've learned to cater for beginners is kind of like formalize those brighter ways to kind of turn those into a labeled beginner cycle track. But I'd I'd say where we are in the South of the UK, there's not a lot of stuff, which is specifically targeting beginner mountain bikers. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. Which is, which is sad in a way, you know, um, but, um, hopefully it'll progress and hopefully it'll get better as as the sport gets more popular and maybe more airtime or something like that you know
0: yeah for sure i mean that's what's happening at the moment isn't it there's so there's so many more new new people getting into the sport and the sport's growing so Mm -hmm. all this infrastructure is just part of the journey of it growing
1: yeah that's very true very true now let's chat a wee bit then about trail unknown about your business can you tell us a wee bit about it and how it started and stuff like that and what you guys do
0: uh, yes, yeah, so we started, I guess, about a year and a half ago, um, and we just wanted to open up the network of uh, natural trails in the UK. Um, so we basically just do mountain bike guiding. So we'll take people to uh, kind of Exmoor, Dartmoor, um, so there's the Surrey Hills, Quantocks, Peak District, um, and just have, have a big adventure. Yeah, Pretty <laughs> much any area that you look at on, on a map which looks big and green, we try and put together like linking up the best tracks and the best. Sort of uh, viewpoints and sights to see, all that kind of stuff for each area.
1: Awesome. So, whose idea was that he started?
0: Oh, I, know, I think it kind of just grew like mutually. We, I think what happened was, cause I Tom basically, we were we were going up to Scotland for uh to race the Garrett Gore Avalanche or something, and Tom got the wrong week. <laughs> and you messaged me and you said, "I'm really sorry, mate. I just completely, and I'm up there in Scotland being like." God's sake. Like, <laughs> and then um, Tom invited me down. Um, we went to stay with his parents. So I think on, on the trip in the car over to his parents, Tom's like, I've got this new idea. Like, we're going to go into businesses and we're going to do like mountain bike coaching. And I, at the same time, I had this idea of like connecting local mountain bikers with um, like the mountain bike population, almost like an app kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So that local people can show their trails around. I think we then just went for a beer and kind of merged together the two <laughs> ideas and I think that's where it came from. I've got no idea, Gav. We're still working out. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
1: but you guys have been friends for a while. So, how did you just meet?
0: Uh, at university, actually. Yeah. We were kind of both involved in the uh, mountain biking and also rugby league um, like sports societies. We kind of just both came together. Yeah. Um, uh, that's okay? I, oh my God, <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> in um, in my second year of university, I had a had a massive house party, and I kind of knew Hugo loosely from being from the sports stuff. We weren't like tight tight friends, and I just looked across the dance room, and Hugo was just holding my radiator in the air. It was so cat, so awkward. <laughs> I literally, I was a, I was a special I I didn't really drink much. I went there's a big house fire that I'd be invited to. I was like, i right, I've gotta go I've gotta be really cool, I'll go make some friends. I literally <laughs> step into the door and this radiated just falls down like I, I have I touched it. And I just, you heads, told me like, you sat on it. <laughs> I don't know what happened.
1: Oh dear. Well, you know, it it's Grew into a friendship, and you're now running a, a business together. Um, yeah. <laughs> so isn't it funny how things happen? So you should always go to every house party you're invited to. <laughs> yeah,
0: I was going go to yeah. go <laughs> to the house party rip off radios Yeah, you definitely get remembered that you remove radiators. <laughs> uh,
1: so what were you doing then when you decided to start Trail on were you working full time? What were you? What were you doing then?
0: I think we were kind of like both at um, a space in time where we'd come back from travelling to the UK and we had this like this whole new like mindset of, of exploring because Hugo had been away for a good period of time and I'd been away for a good period of time and when we were away, the whole mindset is just find the most beautiful things you can go and have a look at and we brought that back and we were just fortunate to have the period of time together where we were both in that mindset we weren't working at that point we were kind of developing this idea um, and the, the idea came into fruition, but you know, as a, as a new business, we realized we had to to make this happen. It wasn't just gonna go straight into full time work, so we took other jobs um, while we were doing this. Um, and now, as of this year, we've both gone down to like half time working other jobs and half time trying online.
1: Mm-hmm. Very good, very good. So you have kind of put something, you have loved your passion for mountain biking and, and, and you have put that all together and into a business. Um, and is that the way you want to go? Do you want to make that a full-time thing if possible?
0: 100%. It's the dream guy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, and it's cool. I, I love it when people, you know, stick something in the ground and follow their passion and, and really go for it. I'm really into that. Um, I think it's really cool um, because doing something you love, you just
0: do it better. You know? I know, yeah. Well, I'm sure you know, you're doing it yourself.
1: (laughs) So, uh, chat us through it. Did you validate the idea in any way? Did you talk it over with parents, with friends? How did you you go about knowing that it would actually work?
0: I'd say uh, the biggest asset that me and Tom have is probably not knowing what's going to happen, but just kind of doing it anyway. I'd say that I think we fell into some really. I think Tom especially made some really good contacts, um, kind of down in Exmoor, and we made we basically started talking to the experts. I think that's Mm -hmm. what kind of we did right was we we just spoke and made friends with people who had been doing this for most of their life. Yeah, Um, just offered like a fresh vision on it, slightly I suppose. Just yeah, went in with ideas and offered to help them. Like offered them just our time and offered them like kind of help and I think they were in return kind of keen to help us so yeah because like initially it was kind of there are local experts and guiding businesses in each area where we work with so we basically just said you guys know this area so well um how about we just like market a trip for you where we're just gonna link up the best riding in your area and you run it kind of thing so that's how Mm. it began but then as we kind of like started to learn the areas ourselves we're able to guide them all ourselves
1: yeah, that's cool. So you were offering local qualified guides say, in certain areas um, the opportunity to send them customers, basically. Is that the way you were doing it?
0: Yeah, and that, I mean, we're still kind of, yeah, that was that was the way we started. And then now we realize, obviously, if we can guide it and we've got the qualification to, we should, we should do it ourselves. And it's a good sort of development thing for us too. But to actually make this a scalable business, it would, again, go back out to, um, uh, like, Putting on trips and then put, and then pushing it back out to the local guides. So that's kind of the way we would see it going in the future. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and yeah, and that's a win-win. So they're getting customer base, and you're getting a percentage or whatever way you would work it of sending them their customers. Um, because you obviously can't be in one place all uh, all the time, you know. Um,
0: yeah, so and, I mean those locals know those trails at like the back of their hands. Like yeah, we obviously like the more time you spend down there. Like of course you can have the kind of same network knowledge as they do, but those kind of, those kind of guys and they just they just know everything so well.
1: Yeah, cool. So I take it you just had to get qualifications and stuff just chatting about that to to run the courses. Can you tell us a wee bit about those?
0: Yeah, so we both did the um British cycling level two mountain bike leadership uh, qualification, which is a it's like a two day uh week, weekend training course and then you do another weekend assessment and the kind of things you're learning are sort of group management, how to look at be- how to um, plan routes, navigating maps, what's suitable for beginners. Uh, yeah, that kind of stuff. And then you also do your, um, you have to do an outdoor first aid qualification as well, which is a two day course. Um, and then after that, we just did a load of, of like sort of shadowing, um, as you guys said, like experts and kind of learn, learn their ways in the business.
1: Yeah, it's, it's quite in- intensive really. Um, and I know I looked at it a wee bit in the past, and once you go over a certain height of elevation and stuff, you need different qualifications. Isn't that how it works and stuff like that?
0: Yeah, it's true. So with the level two, you can you can guide up to 600 metres of elevation, and then level three is higher than that.
1: Yeah, cool. So could you guys then say for the qualifications you just have, could you go and run the, that trail in Nepal? Could you go and do that? Could you go and work and... Some of the ski resorts that that offer mountain biking over the summer would that be viable?
0: Well, I'd imagine we'd go through um, a local guide. So then you, if, if you're thinking about insurance kind of things, you kind of yeah, you, you tie it in with with their insurance because they kind of take the leadership responsibility. You almost become like a trip organizer, and then you have people mm-hmm. locally on the ground who do the leading.
1: Yeah. Okay. Cool. Cool. All right. So. Tell us how your service works, how Trail Unknown works then. Um, do you book on to a date or do you simply get in contact? How does it all work if somebody's interested in going?
0: So we have uh, about 20 um, days over the year uh, where people can just book on to dates and it's £50 per person with a couple of uplifts um, for the day. Um, and then we also do private trips. So um, we just need um, three or more people basically to do a day's um, trip. Um, and then we can also incorporate more than one day. So all the places that we ride, we can also kind of like tag on multi-days. So you can do one day to up to probably about three or four days, um, in Mm -hmm. same location. And then when we go kind of down to Exmoor and stuff, you can talk kind of like whole weekend trips really.
1: Yeah. Cool. Because you do run quite a lot of different trips. You have Exmoor, Dartmoor, Peak District, Quantock, Surrey Hills. You've got lots going on there. Um, do you do all those yourself?
0: No, not not all of them. We do the ones that we know, um, but it's always fun to bring in even ones that we do know to bring on a local guide and add in a few new bits as well. I mean, we'll always be there, so we it is kind of kind of run as a trail and own trip. It's just through a... we kind of employ a local guide to do the actual leading itself um, in in some of the locations. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it's a good idea, and then I suppose. You guys, there are just organising stuff, making sure everybody's okay, and all that kind of thing. And and so, what's okay. all included in that kind of thing? What's our work? what's all included? And in, you know, if you were to go for a day ride with you, is food included? Is there any facilities? How does that all kind of work?
0: Uh, so down at Exmoor, so you turn up probably about um, eight thirty. Eight thirty, uh, we'd probably start off nine o'clock, um, and we'd uh, run and do kind of a loop in the morning, um, and then we'd have probably have an uplift to the top. Um, one of the local farmers who works with, Exmoor Uplifts. Um, he will take us to the top and then we'll go for lunch at one of the local kind of lunch spots. Um, and then we'll do the whole same thing in the afternoon and then probably finish for some tea and cake um, in the evening.
1: Yeah, it's cool, isn't it? And, you know, the good thing that I like about these kind of trips and guides is that it's, it's helping the local area as well. So people are coming in, they're spending money in the cafes and stuff like that um so do them guys help you out as well do you kind of make a wee deal with them or how does that kind of work
0: uh i I suppose sometimes we've done some wheelie dealing but most of the time we just uh, (laughs) uh, just go in and just find out you know what's the what's the best cheese place or what's the best place to pick up ciders and stuff um there's this i recommend anyone go check out porlock down in um in exmoor it's just so good. The cider there, they locally make their own cider. They got little cheese shop. It's so good.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, we we totally agree with you there, Gav. We always try and um, integrate as much uh, like sort of local business as we can into everything. It just makes it a far more sort of like that homemade style trip. If you've got all the all the nice tying in all the nice sort of local grannies who are making jams. And yeah, stuff. it's always fun. Yeah
1: yeah i think it makes it you know just a lot more bespoke almost in a way or memorable or something like that you know
0: yeah
1: yeah it's cool i had the guys um i had guys on from kenya i've, I've done a few episodes from kenya on the podcast and um they're just really developing enduro racing out there wow. and the, the mountain biking things starting to get get very popular out there but what happened was they didn't tell one of the wee local cafes that the race was happening and then everybody after the race arrived at the cafe and they sold like a week's worth of produce in like two hours (laughs) (laughs) and you know that was a big deal for them that was a real big deal and uh everybody was just loving it and all the locals were so so cool you know and, and then we really wanted to get involved in helping these these enduro races happen and stuff so it's really cool when you see stuff like that happening you know
0: we, we do get um if we kind of work with local pubs and stuff to just say you know there's going to be a group of 15 of us coming in for lunch like you see their eyes going kind to of pop up like oh wow and they're, yeah they're often, they're always keen to have us in um and yeah. And yeah, do us a good price and stuff like that. Because as you say, you bring it in custom and you bring in big groups, and everyone's hungry and yeah. Mm-hmm. Classic.
1: So, what size of groups do you run then?
0: So, uh, with the um, guiding qualification, you can do eight eight people per guide. So our maximum group size is sixteen, but we tend to go a bit smaller than that just to keep the sort of quality of riding high. Yeah,
1: yeah, certainly. So, I I have always found it interesting on. So I take it all the people that come in, they don't all know each other. They don't all ride together all the time. So how do you assess the ability levels and things like that? How do you organize that? I
0: mean, there's, there's certain stuff you can do when you when everyone first arrives. So basically just checking their bikes over um, and kind of speaking to them about their rider ability. We'll have a chat with them probably a week beforehand to kind of understand about their where they ride normally and what sort of trails they ride. Um, and then, I mean, the majority of our trails are all stuff that can be ridden um, from kind of just above beginner, like intermediate level upwards. Um, and then just kind of about managing um, the trails we ride and, and um, how we split the group up if some people are faster than others. And because we've got normally two to three guides, um, we can normally manage stuff quite, quite easily.
1: Yeah, that really helps, actually, that you have the local guide there and then you, you – um you know you two can guide as well so you can kind of if there's days a wee bit slower you can let them trail behind and you can still keep an eye and stuff so that that works really well actually
0: yeah I, the number one thing i'd say is just keeping the plan dynamic is like in the morning we make sure we're doing routes which are like the the easier routes than we're going to be doing in the afternoon because then you can kind of get a feeling that everyone's comfortable and get a feeling that if anyone's not comfortable that you know the level that you need to be at so got to kind of pitch the level of trail correctly and the progression of that technicality throughout the day Mm -hmm.
1: yeah and what about fitness do you need to be at a certain level of fitness or
0: yeah i think to come on to come on days i mean we have obviously two different levels of days at the moment we've kind of got stuff where we're doing beginner focused stuff where you can come with a pretty basic level of fitness that's kind of stuff like our yoga retreats where we're providing bikes and we're going through all the basic bike skills. So that's kind of our level one style trips. Then we've got our level two style trips, which are, yeah, (laughs) you need to be kind of riding regularly um, and expected to be able to ride sort of 30, 40 Ks in a day up and down the hills. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's not a problem if if people do turn up and they, at half time or whatever, they're like, this is too much. Because as you say, we've got a couple of guides we can run people back.
1: Yeah, so it works out so people can go with a bit of insurance because I think, you know, and I think at home as well here it's with the enduro racing and all which has become very social social here and people do it for fun and for a bit of crack and stuff. But a lot of people don't do it because they're too scared that they're not their fitness level isn't high enough or their skill level isn't high enough and stuff like that. So do you find people getting in contact with you and asking you questions like that before they commit to a, a a guide with you
0: yeah definitely um I think it's always on people's minds as you say when it's that sociable element of people you don't know it's like oh I don't know what other people are going to ride at I don't want to hold the group up so people do feel that and we understand that but um I think also people who have come on our trips um they they've really enjoyed also getting pushed as well so you Mm -hmm. know some people don't have the need to go and ride for more than two or three hours that's you know if you go and do a session with your mates you wouldn't normally go for a sort of nine to five ride so it almost gives people that like excuse to ride a big day out and i'd say we've catered to everyone like we've had we've had trips in exmoor where the people who have kind of really sort of slightly overestimated how good they are and then like professional riders in the same trip and it's actually Mm. like there's been no issue at all. Um, like we actually kept the whole group together that whole day and everyone's been buzzing off each other. And yeah. I think the way that it works is that because we're working out kind of one location, we're doing one kind of trail and then everyone's kind of regrouping at the bottom and then we're all kind of pedaling up together and everyone's talking like as you would on a normal ride. Yeah. And like, it's actually surprising. We don't see yeah, the whole dynamic of the group doesn't really get altered that much because you've got those different levels. Um, and it's all about managing it and making sure everyone's comfortable and we're not putting anyone, like our biggest kind of number one factor is safety. Um, and we want to make sure people feel safe and they feel comfortable and they know what's coming up and stuff. Um, and I think that's important to make sure kind of the longevity of the business stays, stays intact and our customers are having a, a good time as well.
1: Yeah, that, that's very important. That's a great point because it's not just as simple as, okay, this is the trail. I'll see you at the bottom. You kind of have to <laughs> communicate what they're going to experience on the trail and that kind of thing. So I suppose you need to get into quite a lot of detail with people like that too.
0: Yeah, there is also a lot. Of, you see, if you try and go into too much detail, you just see people turn off. Though yeah, what we kind of tend to do is if there are going to be difficult bits on the track, where we kind of assess a rider is of a certain ability and we know a certain section is going to be a challenge to them. Then we'll we'll stop there and we'll talk about it and we'll ride it through. So I suppose there is almost a bit of that coaching element to it sometimes as well.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it's all good. And I, I suppose it's it keeps it it keeps it interesting for you, you know, and uh, always keeps you on to, on your toes to say kind of thing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Try it on then.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. Uh, so, what do guys need to bring? What do people need to bring with them if they're coming on one of your trips? Then.
0: Uh, so these bring uh, a pack um, that they can put their water in um, and snacks as well. Um, then obviously all their tools, so kind of stuff you need to fix your own bike um, and spare to you. Um, mm-hmm. And you need to bring your enthusiasm and your yeah. bike as well. Yeah. And you, oh yeah, your bike. Yeah, yeah, your bike helmet. in your face, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, Pretty yeah. much your basic stuff for a ride. Uh, you don't have to worry about anything else. We'll cover where we're going. And, <clears throat> and we're you know mechanically trained and safety trained and everything like that so pretty much just turn out with your bike and, and we'll do the rest
1: yeah so what you would take on a normal couple hour ride with your <clears> mates <throat> or something maybe a few more sta- snacks and a bit more water stuff like that
0: yeah
1: yeah, yeah. cool sounds, sounds pretty awesome so tell us guys what's your most popular trip then
0: Ooh, i'd say expo uh, expo is so good it's just <laughs> so good. The single track there is just amazing, and there's so many different types of trails there. Mm. Um, I, yeah, I think the beauty of Exmoor is that it's for a lot of riders, it's like a fairly unknown quantity. People, if they're headed, if they're not from the southwest, um, and they want an adventure down there, they kind of head to Dartmoor also as an unknown quantity, but it's got a bigger name. Whereas Exmoor. People just don't know what to expect. They like ask us like, "Is there enough for more than one day riding?" And then they get there and realise that you could ride there for weeks. Yeah. It's so funny. Mm-hmm. This little village has like been named as like got the most amount of old people in this little village. And then all of the forest around it has just got so many crazy tracks and yeah. just the most amazing network of mountain biking. <laughs> and then there's all these old people in the little village so underneath. They're all, they're all secret shredders, <laughs> yeah, they're all secret shredders. <laughs> it's, it's a beautiful base, it's a beautiful recommend it yeah. to go for anybody, and if anyone doesn't want to come on a trail of known trip, but would like a GPX file of yeah. our ride, then just please email us and we'll, yeah. we'll send
1: it over to you. That's cool, that's very kind and those trail networks, are they all locally done, you know, they're not a ticket that's not a trail uh, you know, like a trail park or a trail network done by the local council or anything like that
0: No, it's all it's all like kind of old, um, by the ways and old tracks and stuff, which some local mountain bikes have kind of touched in places, but it's all, it's all just a big natural riding network.
1: Again. Mm-hmm. And and what can people expect to find? Is it, is it rooty? Is it, you know, what, what kind of
0: conditions are, are they? Pure flow. Pure flow. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> it's, wow. It's, <laughs> it's um, Like I said, there's probably about three hills, three main hills. Um, So you've got Dunkery Beacon at the top of it. It's kind of rocky. Um, And then you kind of drop into stuff that's a bit more mellow, um, less rooty and more kind of um, flowy single track stuff. Um, And then you've got um, a couple of other forests that have kind of more rooty sections, but the majority of it is kind of um, just flowing single track. Yeah. That's That's really what we love about that place is because it's not really like, it wasn't really built, those tracks as we said weren't really built by mountain bikers or for mountain bikers that they were just tracks that were just put in to just go for a nice a nice way up the hill which means they use the um they use the altitude really nicely and are just like long winding flowing tracks all through the hills Mm -hmm. yeah so cool
1: and where do you find where do most people come to you from is is there a general area where people visit you from or do you get people from everywhere
0: say um, the main cities so Exeter um, Bristol Portsmouth and kind of now we've gone into Surrey just the London market um, as well yeah for sure it's yeah sort of city it has been sort of city people who love mountain biking and and probably have like one or two or three like favourite areas where they go to but then also are looking for a new adventure
1: Mm -hmm. yeah sounds good and once you get that London crowd in wow
0: It's quite quite nice. We're seeing a lot of return customers. I guess our customers are just our friends, and we're just kind of we're putting together a fun adventure for them. And it kind of feels like that now that a lot of the people who use us are more just returning friends and stuff, and Mm. we'll keep in touch with them. And yeah, it's nice. That's that's very cool. We tend to get about like when we put on a trip, about a third of the people are people who've already been on trips. So we feel that that's a nice thing.
1: Yeah, well, wow, well, that's really cool. And and do they prefer to go somewhere else or do they return to the same, the same park the majority of the time?
0: Uh, bits and bobs, really, because as we are saying, every place where we ride, we make sure we've got multiple days there. So if they just absolutely fall in love with the place, you just say, well, you know, there's another. There's more days to be had here we totally don't even have to touch any of the same tracks. Mm-hmm.
1: Wow, that's pretty cool. And you do like a multi-day adventure tour thing as well, don't you?
0: Yeah, yeah, we yeah we've done we've done those and we're going to be doing more this year probably we're going to hopefully um, we're going to go and ride it in May but put on like a a southwest coast to coast where we'll go from North Devon to South Devon through Exmoor and Dartmoor and link up all the best stuff in between.
1: Mm-hmm. Very be cool and probably
0: like a four or five day kind of guided and um, like van supported trip. Yeah,
1: cool. So you, you link up B&Bs and stuff like that for guys to stay
0: and... That's it, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah very, very interesting.
0: Best tracks in Exmoor and all of the best tracks in Dartmoor, so it's all really. you just need to connect the two. Yeah. It's, awesome. I'm just going to turn it into a mega journey.
1: Yeah. Mm, that'd be very cool. Very cool indeed. Um, so do you just run the trips all year round, guys?
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, and are they popular all year round or I take it you get a drop off in the winter seasons?
0: Yeah, so like kind of December time, probably the, the lowest, but a lot of people are keen to get back on their bikes in January, and the weather we're having now is in the conditions are prime. Um, yeah.
1: yeah, very good. It is, I suppose it is pretty
0: much all, all year round, except this, just December, people obviously get like, ready for Christmas and stuff. So, But yeah, I mean, it seems to be going all year round at the moment.
1: Yeah, very cool. Okay, cool. Now, I wanted to chat to you as well about your education work because you work with secondary schools and stuff like that um, called the Wolfpack Program. Is that something you're still doing?
0: Yeah, so um, we link up with um, a local organisation who kind of let out spaces in schools um, called School Space, Um, and we've just kind of been going in and um, basically running kind of beginner sessions, Um, and we're just getting into bikeability now, so we're aiming to kind of teach kids right away from his really young ages up to kind of when they leave secondary school um, and give them all the skills they need, first of all, just on the bike um, and how to kind of be safe and um, on the roads and on the bike and then kind of introduce them into mountain biking as well. Um, and into mm-hmm. the, Yeah, and the uh, Duke of Edinburgh, um, have you got an island as well, Duke of Edinburgh? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the Duke of Edinburgh, they've started sort of recognising cycling as and that's a, a way that you can do the Duke of Edinburgh, so schools are pretty keen to, to plug into that as well. And, um, yeah, on the sort of like teaching kids cycling, there's a lot of uh, government initiatives to encourage that. Um, so yeah, we're, we're obviously we feel passionate to share that with the younger generations, and if the government are encouraging it, then yeah, we're facilitating it.
1: Yeah, that, that's very cool because I know. I know when I was at primary school, we'd done, like, a cycling proficiency test thing. Do they still run that in schools, or...?
0: Um, I don't know about the proficiency. I mean, I, we have, there have been quite a lot of people responding to us about that and said, was it useful, was it not useful? Like, just doing a, sort of, like, a, a one-day thing maybe isn't enough to develop confidence. Um, so, yeah, I mean, obviously we encourage any kind of, like, coaching around road roads and traffic to encourage more cycling um but yeah we kind of tried to take a more uh, development program approach to it to sort of build up an ongoing confidence
1: yeah and do the kids enjoy it do they get stoked on it super
0: stoked yeah it's so it's so great to see the kids which like the teachers normally say oh they're the ones who are really naughty in the classroom and they're the ones who are like the best ones having the most fun in their (laughs) bikes
1: (laughs) yeah teachers probably love it it gets a lot of energy out of the kids (laughs) yeah
0: yeah. and the teachers love it as well
1: yeah so what about bikes and stuff like that do the kids bring their own bikes or what way does it work
0: well you know I was just talking about that grant earlier Um, that's the we're just going for a grant um, application at the moment which Mm -hmm. see us purchasing our own bikes and trailer so from hopefully if that all goes to plan then we won't have to ask them to bring their own bikes in the future
1: yeah, so you can just you can just land them bikes really to do it kind of thing.
0: Yeah, we we'll just turn that with a van and bike and um, like a 16 bike trailer and all the bikes and make it nice and easy.
1: Wow, that's cool. And do any of the kids get really stoked on it in a way that they want to continue or they ask you more questions about mountain biking or
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um and and at that point if if it's not in our specific local area um kind of point them to local sort of British cycling go ride clubs and stuff
1: mm-hmm. so, we... so you may you may have some future guides there for you
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for sure
1: <laughs> good stuff well it's always brilliant to get get kids involved in it and stuff because the industry needs that you know if the young ones don't get involved there's going to be tough times ahead so, so yeah.
0: yeah I think like in, there's a lot of like talk about mental health and stuff at the moment and I think it's important to get kids into sports which are taking them outside and keeping them in kind of nature and stuff with that kind of whole physical aspect and Mm -hmm. introducing them to to a sport that offers them flow. Like that whole kind of like mental state of being in that flow state is just so beneficial. And yeah, I think it's, it's hopefully we can see cycling as a sport the same as what you would go and play football or rugby at school. We can try and introduce cycling as kind of the same sort of stable sport in schools as you would play any other sport then that would be a winner yeah cool it's really i mean cycling's got so many benefits beyond just football or rugby because you can also use it as like a form of sustainable transport stuff so yeah we feel pretty we feel pretty strongly that um cycling for kids is a great thing
1: yeah definitely no i think it's a great thing a great services are offered they're very very good Um, Now, I wanted to chat to you as well, just briefly, about Aussie Gret, because you've done a photo shoot with them guys.
0: Yeah, yeah that last summer.
1: Yeah, so how did that all come
0: about? Um, It was through working, um, we've been working quite closely with the National Trust, um, and uh, we've helped them put on a few of their outdoor festivals, and the main event organiser for those outdoor festivals, which are... They're called South, the Southwest Outdoor Festival and the Top of the Gorge Festival. But the main event organiser, um, he was contacted by Aussie Grit and he kind of said, oh, you should speak to Trello, know because they're the kind of like mountain biking. Um, they take care of the mountain biking aspect of these festivals. Um, yeah, and then they, they got in touch and kind of liked nice that we had an audience of mountain bikers. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, kind of just went from there, really.
1: Yeah, it was cool, and you've just done a, a couple of days filming and photo shooting and stuff for their brand.
0: Yeah, yeah, I did that with Jacob from our um, yeah. Productions and stuff, that was yeah. cool. And yeah, we're excited to do a lot more of that as well, because I think as a business in general, it's just good for us to get in with the brands and kind of help them create content and stuff for their mountain biking um, kind of followers.
1: Yeah, definitely. And, and how's, how is the Aussie Gret brand going? Is it being sold in the UK, or do you just know anything about it? or?
0: yeah I think they um so the the brand kind of looks at trail running and mountain biking and i think I think um they're kind of looking at their attention or they've they've been much more attractive in the trail running market um so they're kind of going there a bit but in all fairness their their kits i mean they've gone for like a premium sort of quality brand, so their kit is is proper nice, and I know the few people who have picked up said yeah fair play this is this is pretty sweet
1: hmm. Yeah, cool. It's it's always interesting to see new brands coming in and, and how they actually perform and stuff because that's got a lot of back in that brand. Yeah. 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 Okay. Cool. So guys, before I let you go there uh, and get on with your day, what's what's the future for Trail Unknown? Is there anything new planned for future trails or
0: anything? Um, so we're actually bringing out, well, hopefully bringing out a book um, at the end of the year, um, which is aimed at kind of like beginner mountain biking and kind of how to get into the sport um and then we've also got um our trips coming up so we've got a yoga retreat and mountain biking 22nd and 24th of march and then in april we've got x more quantox and a dartmoor trip so definitely worth checking those out if you're keen to head to those places
1: yeah cool and uh you're not starting a youtube channel or anything like that you're not going down that route or anything
0: um well not really i keeping it <laughs> just keeping keep, it upside keep, down. Yeah, yeah, keeping it on the back.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool.
0: Yeah. yeah
1: <laughs> so, how can people best book with you? Get in touch. Find out what you're doing. Where's the best place to contact you?
0: Uh, yeah, either on um, our website trailunknown. dot com um, or our email address is trailunknownuk at gmail. dot com or just hit us up on Facebook.
1: All right, cool. And they can find out what's happening there. And uh, your website's very nice, actually. It's very, very good. Oh, thanks, Gary. Yeah, it's really cool. So, guys, listen, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. And um, I hope uh, it maybe sends some more clients your way. Um, do you get any Irish guys coming over to you? Um, yes,
0: yeah, so I used to live over in Galway. Uh, there's mm-hmm. a couple of um, kind of the Galway Mountain Bike Club who would try to get over come <laughs> down and ride week. I've we'll been trying to convince them Maybe you go down and, and get those guys
1: you know, over here. I'm sure they have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cool. Well, hopefully, the, hopefully it'll help. Maybe push some guys from uh, from Northern Ireland and Ireland over over your way and see what you have got over there. <laughs> yeah,
0: <exactly.
1: laughs> All right, guys. Well, listen. Thanks so much for coming on. I really do appreciate it. And um, have a good day, there. you are doing a great job. And if I'm over your direction, I'll certainly give you a shout. Right. Cheers, guys.
0: Cheers, guys. Thanks, guys. All the best.
1: I hope you enjoyed that folks that's a wrap for episode number 71 and I hope that's maybe encouraged you to look at Tom and Hugo's business trail unknown and maybe take a little scoot over there to the UK and have a ride with some of those guys it does sound very very good and it's always great to have a guided ride I think and somewhere you don't know because you just cover so much more terrain and you have so much more fun so definitely check them guys out now don't forget you can get 10% off all of the 2019 trips that the guys are planning so simply just go to the resources page on the website and you will find out more information there the guys are so cool and they will give you 10% off your first ride with them. It's a great offer. It's not big money anyway. The guys are quite cheaply priced, but it all helps, you know what I mean? It's all, all good. Tom and Hugo, I just want to say a big thanks for coming on the show. I really did enjoy having you guys on, and it was a great chat. And if I'm over your direction, I will definitely give you a shout and get out riding with you guys you seem to have a lot of fun there and you seem to know what you're doing everything's really professional but you have good fun doing it at the same time and that is what it's all about so thanks for coming on the show now folks if you want to know a wee bit more about tom and hugo's great business called trail unknown and what guiding they get up to in the different packages they offer just simply go to the show notes at mtb-tribe.com you'll find out all the links there to their stuff you'll find out their social media links and also what guided trips they have planned for the rest of the season it will probably well be updated as the months tick on but you will get a good idea there for now and if you want to know more just go to their website um, and you will find out more info as i say all the links are on the show notes for your easy access so thanks for being here folks thanks for helping the show and thanks for downloading the episode if you want to get more involved you can simply subscribe to the website to the show at mtb-tribe.com and get one email a week just with a little synopsis of the guests coming on what we'll be chatting about, etc, etc you'll get one email a week you can also follow us on socials and we are on Facebook and we are on Instagram, both at MTB Tribe if you want to get more involved you can also email me through the website I do read all emails and I will get back to you I just want to say a massive thanks to Ben at The Strength Factory for sponsoring this episode I really do appreciate it now, the work Ben does is really awesome And he's got loads of previous experience. And if you want to find out a wee bit more about that, just head on over to the podcast's website, mtb-tribe.com. Go to the show notes and you can search for episode number 051 or simply search for The Strength Factory. Um, We had Ben on the podcast chatting about what he does, how he helps mountain bikers. And you can find out a wee bit more about The Man and The Strength Factory. It is still one of the best downloaded episodes of the podcast. So there's loads of good information in there. If you want to find out a wee bit more about Ben and how he can help you enjoy the trails that wee bit more. So once again, if you're looking to get fitter and better on the bike, just head over to thestrengthfactory.uk and check out how Ben's new program can help you keep focused on doing the correct type of exercises in the gym for the bike all year long. It sounds awesome to me, so check that out, folks. And don't forget that Ben has very kindly offered MTB Try Podcast listeners 50% off their January subscription. So simply enter the promo code TRIBESTRONG at checkout. That's TRIBESTRONG, T-R-I-B-E-S-T-R-O-N-G, all lowercase. The offer expires on the 31st of January, 2019. So please do that soon and get 50% off your January subscription. So thanks again for being here, folks. Have a good one. I'll talk to you next week.